Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. The card is little, but we're not doing it small. This is the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we have certified professional coach at Bell's Breakthrough Leadership Coaching, Sarah Bell. We're going to talk about her beautiful work with nursing. I tell you guys all the time, nurses are my favorite people on the planet. Because sometimes they think that it's a thankless job, but I don't know what we would do without nurses and teachers. And they go through a lot, especially with this COVID stuff and not getting the proper equipment. I had one nurse tell me that her patient bit her. Bit her! You know, family cuss you out because their family member is dying. You take on so much. So leadership, as Sarah explained to me in the green room, it's not just about standing up there like you're important. It's actually leading and guiding people through the process, developing character, understanding people's passion, meeting them where they are. Everyone has value. So she's going to tell us more about that. Welcome to the show, Sarah Bell. How are you? I am good, April. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so pleased. So tell my brains a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. <clears throat> Well, a little bit about me. First of all, I'm going to clear up the accent. I live in Texas, but I'm from the UK. I I relocated to Texas 20 years ago, and I still don't have the accent. And how do I show up in the world? I show up in the world with curiosity. I have had to learn this. This is not a natural instinct for me. My natural instinct was to be defensive and somewhat judgmental of other people's actions and behaviors. And I learned that if you become curious, you actually learn a lot more about other people and how they're showing up in the world and why they're showing up in the world that way. And that allows you to have more compassion and empathy and be more of a heartfelt leader. Yeah, I know. I've been going through that, too. Yeah, like I said, I'm building a team here, this consensus with this community project that I have. And one person was getting on my nerves. <laughs> Just did not have the patience for them. Uh, they weren't moving at my speed. And then I had to dial back and I said, you know what? Maybe I'm moving too fast. How about I just slow down and meet him where he is? You know, have a conversation and come to find out he wants to take on a task that I can't stand. <laughs> I don't like looking at blueprints and meeting on the meeting to see what we're meeting about. And that's his thing. Okay. So he's got value in that place. He's going to report back. So being a good leader, again, is positioning people like a chessboard and allowing them to move, but finding grace in that. So why did you become a nurse? 
oh, well, I became a nurse. I know everyone wants me to say because I always wanted to care for people. <laughs> I became a nurse because I lived in a very rural part of the UK and there wasn't a lot of business opportunities or growth opportunities, and but there were hospitals. And so I started out as a... Um, it's a, called a nurse and auxiliary in the UK. It's not a licensed professional. It's a healthcare assistant kind of position just so that I could get a job. And I just continued to grow and advance. I hadn't graduated from high school, so I managed to go back and finish up my high school uh, qualifications so that then I could go ahead and become a nurse, get my nurse's license. And I just followed the path that I was on because I was on that path. And then I kind of started to enjoy it. And, and oh, How long have you been a nurse? Are you still nursing? I still have my nursing license. I am now uh, coaching 100% of the time. Uh -huh. And I have been a nurse. I started out as a nurse and auxiliary before I was 20. So maybe 19, 19 years old, 19, 20 years old. Uh -huh and have continued i actually worked for the same company for 27 years in the uk and over here over here in uh, the us and the and you've seen so many things you know what i've also found i found that a lot of nurses are transitioning from to traditional westernized medicine into holistic homopathic integrative type of medicine uh, and practicing and healing and they tell me, you know, well, I can see that you see life and death every day, multiple times a day sometimes. Uh, and there's a spiritual connection there. You actually get to see the soul leave the body. Sometimes you're that last person's point of contact. Um, but then you got some joy, too. You get to see that patient walk out that was terminally ill, that we thought was terminally ill, or be able to see a baby. Uh, born or, you know, so tell me some of the joys in nursing that you find or found. Well, you just touched on some of them. There is nothing better than seeing, especially the patient that you think, okay, they're probably not going to make it. And then you see them leave the hospital, go home back to their family. That That is one of, one of the most exciting things, I think, for most nurses. My background is in dialysis. And so we would see our patients, the typical dialysis patient comes for four hours of treatment three times a week. So basically they're in, they're spending a lot of time with the, with the nursing staff and the joy comes from when you really get to know those patients, you get to know their families and you understand why they continue to come for dialysis because they're there for a reason. It's not an easy life by any means. And most, patient, most patients who have kidney failure have other um, diseases as well or illnesses as well. And so when you get to know the family and you can see them coming back to life through having that dialysis treatment, and then you see them getting back into the community and you see them being able to, um, oh, can make me cry when you see them go to a wedding or when you see them live long enough to see their grandbaby being born and things like that that makes everything all worthwhile well i had a woman on my show that has been on the other side she crossed over and she said that by your goodness and your grace is the size of your wings so yours must be like pterodactyls <laughs> <laughs> 
swooping over everything. What would you tell a young nurse that's struggling right now, you know, in this position? How would you keep her encouraged? Oh, oh my goodness. So that is, I was, a, I was an educator for many years in my position. So I spent a lot of time with people, mostly coming into the, a new specialty. And it's scary because, you know, nursing, you, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with their lives, you're looking at their deepest wounds, you're giving them medications, all things that, that you have to make sure that you're you're doing the best thing and the right thing. And there's a lot of fear to begin with that, did I get it right? And so my biggest advice to young nurses is if you don't feel, if you don't have some concern, if you don't have a little fear, now I don't mean being terrified or afraid, then you may not be aware enough of the responsibility that you have to be able to take good care of your patients. You need to have a little bit of that within you to, to, you know, you can't be blase about it. You can't be blase about nursing. You can't expect to have all the answers. You just have to understand that if you're feeling a little bit anxious, that that's okay. And that, that could actually be a good thing. And keep going because confidence comes with experience. And, you know, nurses have more responsibility, I think, sometimes than the doctors, you know, because you're texting the doctor. Okay, this is this and this and this, and then they give you the orders. But you've got to administer that drug. You've got to monitor. You've got to make sure there's no allergic reaction. You've got to check all this. And the amount of technology that you've got to know. Ooh, I looked at some of those machines. One of my friends uh, was in the hospital. And I was just looking at all the different things that are beeping and you, you're typing and looking. I got scared. You are so focused on that, that the patient sometimes is secondary. That, I had that conversation with somebody the other day and, and, you know, the patient really shouldn't be secondary. However, to your point, those machines are monitoring things. They're delivering medications. And so you... It's almost like they become an extension of the patient, but we should never forget there's a human being at the end of all of that equipment. And that is the person. The person is where our main attention should be on. You can tell a lot anyway by looking at a patient, how well they're doing, but you also do need to make sure you're taking care of the equipment because otherwise that's where harm can be done if you're not taking care of that aspect. Of and it, it's yeah. sad here in the, uh, well, I was going to say, I fell upon the accent, but you're here in the United States. Nurses are being prosecuted now. Have you seen that in the news? That's it's crazy. I mean it's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I no, mean, no, I I just, mean there's a lot of margin for error. I don't, you know, I, I hope it never happens to me or you or anybody. But I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think that it's gross negligence unless they're under some sort of extenuating circumstances, drunk, drinking, you know, they know that they have mental challenges and they keep going to work, all those things. But being a nurse could cause you to drink, do drugs and have mental challenges. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell upper management? What do you tell the leaders? Because a lot of times they hire these talking heads that have never been on the floor, that have never, you know, given an injection or even taken a blood pressure but they're the head of the department. 
What are some of the key things that they should know about building a strong team and supporting these healthcare professionals? Well, you just hit on one of my soapbox items. So I need to get my soapbox out now. We need both. Healthcare, rightly or wrongly, really now is a business. However, healthcare professionals don't really go into healthcare to run a business and make a business successful. They're there to take care of the patients and help the patients recover, um, get back to um, activities of daily living. The hospital administration or the healthcare administration have the very same interest as the nurses do. However, they come with a different lens and they have a different purpose. So like I said, the nurses are there, they want what they need to take care of their patients. They want their patients to get well and leave hospital. The administration want the same thing because they need to, they need to get good reports from the government. They need to be productive, especially if it's a for-profit hospital. And the way they get that is by the patients having good care, good quality care, patients leaving hospital and not being readmitted. So we want the same things. The nurses know how to take care of the patients. And so if I could wave my magic wand, nurses would be invited to the boardroom to talk with the hospital administrators and collaborate with them so that together, that they can work together to do what's best for the patients. And that's a win for everybody. It's a win for the nurses and it's a win for the hospital administration. It's so busy now in the healthcare world and healthcare environment and things move so quickly. I mean, that's a tall order that I'm asking, but I don't see anything wrong with having a tall order to ask for people to live into. If you don't, nothing's gonna change. Absolutely. And I'm seeing that there's a lot of nurses coming from the Philippines. Uh, I hear that the nursing uh, courses are more accelerated, uh, they're learning I guess the same caliber of technique because they're being uh, hired in some of these higher, um, you know, higher end healthcare scripts and Kaiser and yada yada. But then also you got the traveling nurses and the traveling nurse pool because I'm renting out one of my properties to a traveling nurse. They come on these 13 week assignments, but they always want to come with a dog. I'm not taking a dog in my place. And I know they want comfort. They're away from their families. I think that that's cruel. You're working 14 hours sometimes, if not more. Coming home, sleeping, who's going to take care of the dog? But they want some comfort. What do you say to support those traveling nurses? Because that's a that's a tough job, too. Traveling nurses is a tough job. And it, it, it wouldn't be one for me because I like to be with a team. And I like to see that team grow and, and stay together. But... During COVID, thank goodness for travel nurses. It's a tough job because you're walking into a new environment every 13 weeks. You've got to get to know new people. You've got to get a new team and you are away from home. And so I understand like uh, pets, uh, dogs and cats and things. They are great companions and they are great comfort for you. Um, it's interesting. I don't think it's ideal for the dog, perhaps. I don't, uh, think how... it's ideal. I don't even think it's ideal for the nurse. They're not going to 
sit up there and try to find a dog walking service or they're not going to get the groomer. Really, the dog's not going to get the attention until you get home and then they curl up in the bed with you and they've been, you know. So it, it's hard, but it's hard all around because they're making great money. But money is not everything. It's the quality of life. And you go 13 weeks here, like you say, and you just get acclimated with the staff and you just learn the equipment and you learn the patience and the routine and then off you go to something else. So it's a lot involved in that. Doctors, do doctors overall, this in general, do they respect the nursing staff the way that they should? Um, generally, I would say, hmm. no, many, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> many, well, many of them do. And some of it is, I think, and this is, this is what another thing that I would like to see. I think nurses need to step up and demand that expect, respect. They need to step in. They're professionals and they need to step into their position as a professional and actually expect the respect and not be okay when they're being disrespected. That being said, I've worked with some doctors who have amazing respect for the nurses. And maybe that's part of the field that I'm in when there is no doctor on site in dialysis, usually they're, they're remote. And so the doctor really relies on the nurses um, and I've worked with some amazing, and then I've worked with some that maybe not so much. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and I don't know if that's because, you know, they get a little parsnickety. They got that DR in front of their name. <laughs> I, had, I had to tell one of my doctors, I said, just because you've done it for 30 years, baby, that don't mean that you've done it right. Well, there's and a saying, and I can't really remember how it goes, but it's pretty much 30 years experience could be. 30 years of the same year experience repeated over and over again. So it's just one year's experience repeated 30 times, or you can learn and grow over 30 years and you can actually become, um, I don't know, bigger, better, more knowledgeable, more like creative if you, yeah. To all you doctors out there, treat your nurses right because that is your backbone. You would yeah. be nothing without a nurse, you know? Could you imagine a, a nurse not being there to prep the patient? before a colonoscopy, uh, you know, would you want to not acknowledge a nurse or have a nurse or a midwife there when you're delivering a baby, you have to turn it into a C-section and you gotta <laughs> calm everybody down? Or when you got that screaming kid in there with the broken arm, how the nurse just comforts them and gives them a sticker. So the nurses are the best, they are the best. Tell me some things that bring you joy, personal joy, Sarah. Ooh, personal joy. Let me see. Well, we were talking about children earlier on, and I have a, a son. He's um, uh, going into his sophomore year, and he's an athlete, and he plays soccer, and I get a lot of joy out of his, like him and his soccer playing. That's one thing. I love socializing. I have... I'm not a social butterfly, so I don't have loads and loads of like acquaintances and friends. I have a group of friends who I really enjoy their company and um, traveling. I love to go new places and um, experience new things. And I love, love, love the ocean. And I live nowhere near the ocean, but I love the ocean. Well, half car will travel. <laughs> <laughs> if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? That's an interesting question. If I was an appliance in the kitchen, 
Um, hmm. maybe a whisk, like to, to like stir things up a little bit, like really? up, get a bit of energy in there, get things going a little bit. Right. I'd be, yes. the, I'd be the, the smoker, you know, that you put the ribs in and the, oh yes. I like the aroma. I like that smoke. I like to be able, like the Pied Piper, to call people from down the street because they, they. What are three things that you can't live without, Sarah Bell? Three things that I can't live without. Number one, my water bottle that keeps my water cold. I love cold water. I do not like lukewarm water. That I have them all over the place, and there's always one next to me. Can't live without my water bottle. Um, let me see, try to live without, and dare I say, don't want to live without my wine. Mostly only at the weekends. Yes, okay. I like a glass of wine at the but, weekend. You, know, you don't have to wait till Saturday. Get your sip on during the week. As long Now, do you <laughs> like red or wine? I mean, red or white, what, what's your favorite? I like both, but if I, I usually go for the white. For Again, the white? I, like, I like cold beverages, chilled and cold. And so, yeah, that's something else. Yeah, the parabens in the in the wine sometimes don't agree with me. Give me a headache. It's like champagne. Yeah. Champagne's not really not my favorite. But give me a nice uh, you know, vodka or give me a nice cognac. Oh, I can get the, I can get the party started. Yes, yes. What's the last book you read? Oh, well, I read a lot of books. I just finished one today and it's a novel and it's two authors and I'm not going to remember their names, but they write these books. They're two women authors and they write these books and they're kind of mystery books. They're, they're current day mystery books. There's usually a therapist or something involved in the mix and a crime. And you never really know until the end. Oh You're trying to figure goodness. out the whole way through. Um, I think the last one, the one I finished reading today was called You're Not Alone. Oh, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So uh, can you play an instrument? Can you shoot pool? Do you like the bowl? What else? Um, can I play an instrument? I had clarinet lessons for a while when we I first moved over to Texas. I don't think I could get the, I don't think I could do it now, but I enjoyed doing that. And I did a little bit of um, piano when I was younger. I'm not so much a musician. I, what am I good at in that respect? Uh, I can ski. I can okay. put a pair of skis on. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I can't ski anymore. I used to could. I can't wedge anymore the way I used to. I'm just going down, you know? So I pour the cocktails in the lodge. I make the hot chocolate and the, you know, the s'mores and all that kind of good stuff. Oh my God. I just love sitting at the bottom of the ski slope at the end of the day, watching everybody falling down the mountain. That's my favorite thing to do with skiing. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. What would you tell a 25 year old Sarah Bell? Um, I would tell the 25 year old Sarah Bell to, to um, find her voice and to trust in her instincts. Okay. And what do you want your legacy to be? I would love for my legacy to be that I actually have made a difference to leadership in nursing and that I have helped nurses 
step into their power, own their profession, become great leaders, and for them to take back the leadership of the nursing profession, back from the hospital administration, not to separate the two, they still need to work together, but nurses need to step up and lead nursing. They do, because each one must teach one. Yes. You yeah. know, and that's very, very important. Yeah. So now you've got this leadership coaching. Tell me a little bit about what how the program looks. How is it designed? And, and what's your, because nurses are out there and all of them are not going to be your ideal client. That's right. Frame that for me. Yeah, so um, I like to work, I, I work with all nurse leaders and I love working with all nurse leaders, but if I could, if I could, my niche, the ones I really want to work with are the ones who are either just promoted into a management position or would like to become a manager. Because what happens so often is a, a nurse gets recognized for the contribution they're making, the excellent care they're taking of their patients and they get promoted into a management position and oftentimes what's missing is there's no one there to help them make that transition because yes, it's great to be a great nurse, but you know, the saying, what got you here won't get you there. Leadership is a whole new skill set, mm -hmm. and often nurses don't get taught that. So what they, they step into this position and then they try and tell everybody else what to do because they were successful, do it my way because I was successful. That's not how a leader operates and it causes some drama and exhaustion for the nurse manager. So I'd love to get them at that early stage because I think most nurses have what it takes to be great leaders. They just need to know what a great leader does and how they operate. So I would love to work with that group. That's my favorite. Do you ever think that a nurse could have an eight to five schedule? Why do they work 12 and 14 hours? I know the demand. Is it a shortage? Do they like to work three days a week and have four days off? Why do they get such wonky schedules? I think it's all of the above. Uh, I do think uh, there's some continuity in care when a, when a nurse is there for longer hours with the patient. The, the same nurse taking care of the same patient for longer hours is typically good for the patient, providing the nurse isn't getting tired. When you're getting tired, we're all human, right? We're not at our best when we're getting tired. So that is part of it. Uh, I think part of it is work three days, have four days off. Yeah, that's great. And sadly, it allows some nurses to do have two jobs. They can work three days in one environment and then three days in another environment. And so it allows them to increase their income. Uh, I, yeah, I liked, I liked the 12 hours for that aspect, but I didn't enjoy being in work for 12 hours a day. So, you know, this and you know, I hate to say it, it seems like it, that 12 hours can go pretty fast, though, you know, because you're constantly on the grind. And I was at uh, Kaiser when my mother was alive and she was sick and they were a fine tuned machine. I mean, they would ask each other, would you, you need me to check on this patient for you? Oh, I heard you had a call. You want me to put in the notes? Can I get you a cup of coffee? How you feeling? And I pay attention to that. And that lets me know that they had a harmony and a synergy and that they worked good together. But you know what else I heard? I heard there's a lot of bullying in the nurse nursing profession. You took my weighted bed and who said that you could do this and who said that you could do that? 
I I never seen that. I was so disappointed to hear that. Is there a lot of bullying in the nurses uh, nurses pool? Yeah, there there is. Uh, it's very sad. Uh, nurses are, are known for eating their young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I I actually um, have a friend and uh, she's a um, she's a nurse. And her, what she does is she actually has a program to about bullying in nursing to help change that culture and that environment because, yeah, I, I don't even I don't even there's so much that goes into into that and it's it's sad because if, if we were to support each other and help each other grow rather than to bully each other, and I think some of it comes April from well that was the way I was treated what well, doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of attitude and. I think I, I'm telling you, I think it's those 14 hours. You're tired, well, you're cranky, you know, you can't go home and get loved up with your kids and your husband, so you get beat up by your coworker. Yeah. So, you know, and mental health. Please take care of your mental health. You know, yeah. there's a lot of suicide among physicians and nurses. I even heard that there's a lot of suicide among veterinarians. I couldn't believe that. They said, yeah, they said it's a lot of suicide. So there's a lot of hidden secrets. You know, if you're on medication, I mean, you're a human being too. You could have got on oxycodone. You know, unfortunately, you might have the keys to the cabinet. Uh, so get the help that you need. Get the support that you need. Take a sabbatical if you need to do that. Because if you're not in the best of health, how can you help anybody else? That's exactly right. You can't. And um, I think nurses have such a high level of responsibility that sometimes they can't let go and let somebody else take over and you can't keep pouring from an empty vessel. Right. No. Nope. Um, it's a 24 hour a day uh, work environment. You can't be there 24 hours a day. So it's you that has to leave. You can't keep thinking, well, I've got one more thing to do and I need to finish this up before I go and I need to finish that up before. But sometimes that's where the bullying comes in because if you don't finish up everything and then you get criticized by the nurse coming in behind you that you didn't finish everything. And so this is where we need to come together as a group and just recognize this is a continuous, there is no end to the day in nursing. So you have to end the day yourself at a reasonable time and and take care of yourself, absolutely. Well, it used to be, I mean, a uh, profession that people would flock to. And then after that COVID, they flocked the other way <laughs> because they couldn't get the protective gear and they were on the grind. And COVID is not going away, brains. It's gonna be different variances. Uh, and then they also had were mandated to take vaccines some of them for compromising their own health. They didn't want to do it. Others said, you know what? I don't know what this is going to do to me. I don't want to do this. But they had to go home to their families. So it was a very delicate dance. And I can understand that the hospital, like Children's Hospital here, we lost about 27 nurses. Wow. Because they would not take the COVID shot. But if I was a parent, I would want the person to be totally protected or was perceived as protection when you're taking care of my baby that's got cancer. 
and their immune system is compromised. So I don't know. And they didn't get their tenure. You know, you've been working. Yeah, I mean, you've been working five years, 10 years, you get your tenure, you're locked in. They didn't get it. They had to leave. So I I met one nurse. She's driving a bus right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Is she? Oh, my goodness. She, she said that she's just as happy <laughs> driving the bus. So you still have other skill sets that you can pull from, not just the nursing, but there's leadership and there is camaraderie and there's a way to teach and it's a way to partner. And maybe you want to go into a different department. Always look into that. You don't have to be a surgical nurse the entire time. You could be a pediatric nurse or, you know, be the nurse that checks you in at the counter. But give yourself some options. Give yourself some choices. Self-care, self-help is the best. And you've got people, amazing people, that have been there, done that, and wear the T-shirt. And one of them is Sarah Bell. Tell them how to get in contact with you, Princess. So you can get in contact with me um, uh, on my website, www.bellscoaching.com. And all my information is on there. Or you can email me at Sarah, with an H, sarah.bell at bellscoaching.com. Okay, so that's B-E-L-L-S with an S, Bells? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's not one ring. Okay, that's... Bells. <laughs> I, have, I have one on my desk. I'm always prepared. So thank you so much for being here on the Edge Brains. I need you to handle your business. Go like, love, and share. You see this little cute little card right there. Look at that. Sarah's got the righteous one. Uh, go in and like, love, and share. Like, love, and share. Leave some comments. Whether you agree, disagree, or you're numb, you're in the middle. Because this is how Sarah is going to prepare her curriculum based upon your questions. She doesn't know everything and there's no dumb question. Only dumb question is the one that you don't ask, right? Yeah, love that. I love you. Thank you again <laughs> for all your dedication, all the lives that you saved and all of the nurses that you are supporting. You're the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, April. This has been fun. Absolutely. Handle your business brains. Be well.